0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Intentional Well-Being Podcast. This week, I have been interviewing some of the people that I love the most on social media platforms. And today, I'm talking to, and I'm gonna, I'm just going to apologize ahead of time, I'm going to butcher her last name, Shannon Kishiki. Ugh, I, I totally got it wrong, but I'm going to have her pronounce it in the podcast, so it's 100% correct. She is a non-binary yoga teacher. They them or she her she is a non-binary yoga educator sociologist who offers inclusive and accessible fat positive yoga spaces she's trauma sensitive lgbtqi plus affirming yoga teacher she helps folks use movement to reconnect with their bodies and to learn to take up space on and off the mat in Shannon's classes, you can expect a focus on sensation over shape and freedom to find asana in your body as it exists in this movement. Shannon teaches classes online, workshops via her online studio, Fringish, you might know her as Fringish, That Positive Yoga. She has sliding scale classes, private instructions, and access to a recording library of over a hundred classes that are available on fringish.com she's one of the people i love to follow on instagram and especially tiktok she's a huge star on tiktok i met her when i was doing a yoga workshop in toronto and we met and i was inspired by her practice and i said to her when are you going to become a yoga teacher because i believe we need to have yoga teachers of all shapes sizes ethnicities um gender identities, like we need the gamut. I think yoga teachers should be reflective of the entire population, not just some of us, but all of us. And I have a really interesting conversation with Fringish, aka Shannon, on what it means to create equitable practices for all of us. So join me in listening in to a conversation I'm having
1: with Shannon.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. I have one of my favorite teachers in the world here with me today. Somebody who has created uh, so much clarity and so much intention and so much juicy language in my teaching, better known as Fringish on, uh, on on the Instagrams, on the interwebs and everywhere. Shannon, how do you say your last
1: name, Shannon? Kanashige.
0: Kaneshige, that rolls off the tongue nicely. Kanishige. it sounds very regal. I love that and I'm excited to talk to you today. If you are not following her on TikTok where she's a big star or on the gram, please do. I share her stuff uh, frequently and I wanna, I wanna start by saying, this is called the Intentional Wellbeing Podcast and I named it based on something you had said in a post that you did on Instagram talking about intentional movement versus joyful, mindful movement, because it really did occur to me that sometimes when I'm outside running, I am not necessarily feeling joyful, but because I do have a history of heart disease and all kinds of other things, I do tend to go running. And when I was younger, I loved it a lot more than running. Running in your 30s is different than running in your 50s, as you know, but you said that and I was like, it hit different. A something went off in my brain around it's okay not to love it every second. And I, w- I want I want you to share with us how you came to this understanding, or what was the aha moment for you around intentional movement versus joyful mindful movement.
1: Um, I think <clears throat> I think it's a term that's kind of been floating around um, the other in, in terms of like accessibility and. Um, like even mental health spaces, because for me, like it's, it's largely based on mental health. Like I am, I deal with depression, I deal with anxiety. And for me, sometimes, <clears throat> um, there are a lot of things that like I need to do because they're good for my mind. I know that I'm going to feel better after, uh, but they are in no way joyful. Um, <laughs> and so it's kind of like, Okay. Um, so I'm choosing to do this. Um, I'm doing it with intention. I'm not doing it because I'm atoning. I'm not doing it because society says that this is what you have to do to be a good person. Mm. Um, I'm doing it because it's something that I know I need to do to make myself feel better. Um, <clears throat> so for me, that's like, a lot of movement, Like especially when you're depressed. You don't necessarily want to move. It's not yes. something that actually brings you joy in the moment but like i know if i go out for a walk when i'm not feeling well that you know I'm, I'm gonna get things moving i'm going to have stimuli for my brain in a different way and these are all things that i need and all things that will eventually lead me to a better place but in the mm. moment they they are not necessarily joyful <laughs>
0: <laughs> that hit different when i heard it because i felt a little bit like a fraud because I talk about joyful, mindful movement, and often when I'm on my yoga mat, it's all about that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm i at the place in my yoga practice where I don't do, you know, super difficult anything anymore mm-hmm. because... Um I'm not really that into it anymore there I, I don't know there comes a place in your yoga practice where you're less excited about things like handstand and tricky arm balances and trying to bind or, or whatever those things are and if you love to do those things though that's completely fine mm-hmm. I have I I say to each their own it is your own practice but there comes a part in your time and in your life and in your body where these things you know just don't appeal to you anymore mm-hmm. Um and I, I feel a sense of joy on my yoga mat because I've divorced it from any kind of fitness culture. So I'm just on there to have a good time. I do what I want. Often um, when I tell people I try to do 10 minutes of movement each and every single day. And some, sometimes when I do a 10 minute yoga practice, it's two minutes of breathing and eight minutes of shavasana. And that's my yoga practice, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's exactly. my yoga practice and it counts. <clears throat> and I check it off as something that I've done for myself. In the realm of self-care so I was really thankful that you know like I said I have to run I I run for my own intentional well-being because I know it's good for my cardiovascular health I know again it's good to get out I know that as a person who has a history of of heart disease in my family that these are things that are that are going to reduce the amount of medication that I may or may not have to be on later in life so I'm I'm banking this well, well well-being, so to speak, or this activity for my future self. And I Mm -hmm. think that's also something that I pulled from you or I heard from you that these intentional movements, although I'm not loving them in the moment, will have future benefits down the line, like. I recently picked up weight training because I'm in menopause and we know that we start to lose bone density. Mm -hmm. It's a little different for those of us who are abundant and fat or fluffy or however you like to identify because we're less likely to lose bone density because we're already weight training on the regular. But I Mm -hmm. still enjoy that. But some days I go out there and I'm like, well, (laughs) let me just get 10 minutes in and call it. That's my intentional ten minutes. So the first question I want to ask you, now that I've rambled for five minutes, is <laughs> I want to hear your perspective of the difference between wellness and well-being. What are your thoughts on that? I think
1: wellness has become kind of a loaded term for me, and I think for a lot of people, like it's very, it's very kind of um, capitalist-laden, <clears throat> very much like about. Um, what can be sold to you like it's a lifestyle you know it feels like um you know and i think it's just heavily marketed which although it doesn't take away from maybe the idea behind it like it certainly takes away from um kind of like my interaction with the term um i also don't like I think that in some ways using terms like wellness kind of implies that there's something wrong with folks who are not well or who don't have the ability to be well um and puts the focus more on like healthism um and the idea that like you know health is above all things um and i certainly think that that's a choice that you can make for yourself but it's not attainable for everyone um so for me well-being i mean i use wellness because i don't have a lot of other terms to replace it with um but for me well-being i think is much more holistic and kind of much more um active you know it's it's caring for yourself and it's identifying things that maybe don't fall under the larger category of wellness that contribute to the way that we take care of ourselves you know different aspects of self-care different aspects of um, not just, like, physical well-being or mental health, but, like, community care. Things that go a bit mm. beyond that.
0: Yeah. I hadn't thought of community care in the under, in the umbrella of, well, of well-being.
1: I think that <clears throat> in order to, like, really take care of ourselves, we, we have to take care of our community. Um, mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, like, everyone has times where they need support. And we are in a very individualistic society where we tend to not make those connections and they're not encouraged. So I think including the idea of community care in my idea of like caring for myself um, mm-hmm. has been really important, especially somebody who has a really hard time sometimes making connections with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a way to kind of push myself out of my comfort zone in that way mm-hmm. and make sure that... Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not just thinking all about, you know, what's good for me, because mm-hmm. what's good for me might not necessarily be what's good for society. Um, and if we're going to practice things like a Ahimsa and, you know, we have to have a much wider lens. Yes. Um, so I think all of those things should be wrapped up in the idea of well-being because it's not just, you know, we don't, we don't live in a vacuum. <laughs> You know, so if we aren't taking care of other people in our communities, then, um, you know, how can we be, how can we truly be well, you know? It's, yeah, it's true. And
0: part of um, being in well-being, and this is how we know each other, is through our yoga practice. Mm -hmm. And I've been thrilled to see you in the yoga space Mm -hmm. because we are still not quite where we need to be in recognizing uh, and celebrating and encouraging all bodies to the mat. And I know that you put out a ton of content, not only on uh, Instagram and on TikTok, but you also teach live, like through Zoom and all these places. So you're out there. What made you decide to be a
1: yoga teacher? Uh, um, I have to say, like it's been having interactions with other fat teachers um mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because when i went to my first in-person fat yoga class with my teacher here in toronto chanel deer um do yoga on instagram um, Yay. She... shout out i will link <laughs> yes in the show notes i will link to her in <laughs> the show notes yeah amazing um and it was just the the small things that before I took that class, I didn't consider myself to have a yoga practice because I only practiced from DVDs and videos. I never felt safe in the studio, mm-hmm. um, and I hadn't—I had not yet found your videos. I had not yet found Amber's videos or anyone else because I was—I mean, let's be completely honest. Like when you go into um, you know searching yoga on mm-hmm. on Instagram or on Google, um, you know for. <laughs> Ever you got sent to like certain websites that were not diverse at all Um, and so that's what I had access to I practiced online I practiced um, you know from VHS dating myself and DVDs Um, (laughs) I'm with you I am with
0: you I know what a VHS tape is Millennials and Gen Z if you're curious write (laughs) in the comments and we'll explain to you what that is yeah (laughs) Uh, Along with a dial phone. <laughs> exa- oh
1: my gosh, rotary. Right? Um, rotary <laughs> dial phone. <laughs> but yeah, it was really like interacting and realizing like what a big influence that had on me. Realizing presentation that. Representation matters. It was so validating. It was, it was amazing because all these things that I thought I had done where I was cheating, um, mm. you know, it turns out I was modifying Um, you know, and nobody ever really talked about modifications in any of the tapes that I had done. It was not, they are like, use a block, but they never told you how. Um, (laughs) I'm like, what do I do with it? Yeah. So it it did not help at all in that way. (laughs) So coming to an in-person class, um, with someone else who was in a large body and being like, holy crap. Um, Mm. and then. I I wanted to help other people feel that way you know there are certainly not as many fat instructors out there are way more now which is great yes yes (laughs) Um, we're changing
0: the game yes (laughs) uh
1: but there there aren't as many you know and sometimes I forget and I get trapped on like um you know, like uh, I get a lot of people who come in from other aspects of yoga, you know, outside of like the fat yoga, accessible yoga universe. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, that's right. There's like a whole other <laughs> world out there where people don't do this. I forgot mm-hmm. because I've surrounded myself by like-minded, amazing people. So really, yeah. it, you know, it's, it's seeing teachers like you. It's seeing teachers yeah. like Amber and being like, yeah. I, I want to help people feel the way that they make me feel. And so that that's why I decided to teach.
0: I think that's amazing. But representation so, so matters. Like, I can't tell you in my career how scared I was to put images of myself out there in the beginning because the troll universe is a lot. And as much as we like to say, don't read the comments and don't listen to them and who cares about what strangers think on the internet? All of those things are true. We're still human beings, right? Mm -hmm. And we still are on social media platforms for connection. And when you get a horrible troll on there that is verbally abusive, on your on your page like to me that's that is the insult to injury this is uh, my social media is my living room I've invited you into my home I'm going to show you maybe what I'm eating I'm going to show you you know my backyard or the things I do my yoga mat sometimes I bring my kids on who reluctantly don't want to be on my social media or you know I'll talk to my husband I'm inviting you into my house and if you come into my house and shit on my carpet Mm -hmm. then you have to Go clean your shit up and leave like and then when I delete these nasty comments right uh, these people will slide into my DMS and tell me not to delete them like they have ownership to me and my page people have some nerve let me tell you some nerve a person busts into your house breaks up all your stuff and when you ask them to leave or you start cleaning up they tell you not to clean up or get out. Like it's it's amazing to me how cruel we are as a society. And to me, I'm thinking that cruelness towards a body that doesn't look like you yours comes from some deep seated insecurity that you have or somebody who has been cruel to you in some way and now you're getting back whatever you need to be by being cruel to somebody else. It's almost like you're paying forward this cruelty. And I'm really impressed by how unabashedly open you are out there how you move your body out there because representation matters and if we don't see teachers that look like us we are never going to be able to participate in a practice that could be very helpful to us and that you know that very much parallels to my experience as a black woman walking through the world if i don't see a black woman teaching or a black man teaching or a black person teaching yoga or black human teaching yoga how am i ever to know that this is going to be a practice for me as well Right? Like I need to see all bodies out there. So what gave you the, I don't know, the courage to put yourself out there so authentically? Like one of the very first videos that I saw on your Instagram that really I felt in my heart was the struggle for, I believe it was headstand. You were doing it like an L at the wall Mm -hmm. almost. And you were showing people how you (laughs) were falling out of it. And you were showing people the honest emotion of the experience that you were having. Because let's be honest. In yoga sphere on social media we are only seeing the most curated perfect photos and what's way more real and way more truthful is us falling out of stuff and learning about ourselves and the bigger picture from the journey of falling out of this pose
1: exactly and I think that's where the yoga happens I mean the the asana is great it certainly is helpful and but for me most of it comes from confronting all of those things about ourselves that um, lead to discomfort because when things are uncomfortable we refuse to look at them you know it's it's you're you're trying to protect yourself it's you know human nature but you don't get past them until you are willing to sit down and and be with them Mm -hmm. Um, and for me like I I think I remember that particular post it It was a lot of like confronting my ideas about ableism, um, my uh, kind of good fatty, uh, inner good fatty, the idea that I need to prove myself by showing I can Mm -hmm. do exactly what all of these thin people can do. Um, And the truth is, like, I I can't do everything, and that's okay. Nobody can do everything. But it it was, it was a hard place to sit. And in the one thing that I have learned and that I I think is kind of like part of the lesson of like the spin around (laughs) um, is that, you know, you have to sit with the hard things and that sunshine is the best disinfectant. Like Mm. the more that we share the things that we struggle with, Mm-hmm. the more we're able to connect to each other on a deeper level. I think one of the hardest things about being in a fat body, about being a fat person, is constantly being told that there's something wrong with you and constantly feeling alone in it. Mm-hmm. Because you're not That's allowed right. to talk about it. Yeah. Um and so it's kind of like my big F you <laughs> to society is like, no, you know what, I am gonna talk about it because I'm tired of feeling alone. Mm. I'm tired of feeling like nobody else is dealing with this because when I sit down and think about it, I I know other people are. Absolutely. I know. Um, and if we all stop being ashamed and start talking about our experiences, then we start to realize that it's not on us, mm. you know? It's not our shame, it's not us doing something wrong, it's the fact that society is putting Priority on the wrong things, mm. you know. It shouldn't matter if someone can come into a headstand or not. That's that's something that's wrong with Western yoga culture. That's not something oh, yeah. that's wrong with me, mm. um, and it's not something that's wrong with anybody. You know. So I think that the more that we talk about it, and the more that we're open about it, um, you know, the more connection we can make, and also the less power it gives people. Bless power it yeah. gives people who are here to, to to mock you to you know say things you know because it's like yeah i know yeah so, what are you
0: gonna say yeah and yeah. and yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like
1: you know the people who try to troll me by calling me fat like yeah i have eyes i true. have a
0: yeah i was just saying <laughs> you know? i have a mirror yeah <laughs> somebody uh, a while ago had trolled me as well and you know was on about my fat ass i'm like I know I have a fat ass and I'm proud and I love my fat ass but you can't fix stupid you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) I said something like that I thought if you're gonna troll me I've got time today some days I'm into it some days I'm not um so I've got time today but I just think it because that's the ultimate insult right in our society is to call somebody fat and I was always so I was always so inspired like you have fat Tuesday and I remember the first time I saw you with that Snoop song and you say eat and you were like you had it perfectly synchronized like you lip sync that and I'm like damn like I love that and then I love fat vanity Friday and you got naked you got naked
1: that was scary that was I
0: bet what inspired you like (laughs) like how do you how do you get the courage to be naked on the internet
1: um, well, I mean, good for you. I think that's
0: well-being and that's part of your well-being to let go of that.
1: It was right, never just do intended it. to be online to start. Like I have, <laughs> I have a personal selfie practice that I developed yeah. to help me reconnect to my body because I had spent so long only looking at myself from the neck up. And I think a lot of fat folks do that. We're told that like our life will begin when, um, you know and fill in the blank yep. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that you know that we are not our body we are we are better than that um, which ugh. yeah but I mean like it, it seeps in and so I stopped I stopped looking at myself and I one day I realized I have no idea what I actually look like. Like you know I, I don't like I, I've never seen myself from certain angles because I was always very careful about you know where pictures mm. were taken from. Um, yeah. controlling the narrative i' have avoided um, <laughs> i have avoided taking pictures forever and so i started this selfie practice and it started with just like okay full-length picture of myself um, and then feeling good about it you know trying to to look good like I was enjoying it um, <laughs> and then it even though it was scaring like, you right
0: yeah, yeah. yeah
1: and eventually it was like you know what like I think I'm I I, I can enjoy my body as it is you know um, mm-hmm. I started taking pictures when I came out of the shower and like okay this is what I look like like this is this is it and just yeah. looking at it and becoming familiar with it and so I started getting um, Tracy Cox uh, sparkle jams on in on Instagram started um, talking a lot about fat vanity mm. um, and Tracy is amazing opera singer um, and fat activist and it just it really resonated because we are not allowed to be vain if we're fat right? We're supposed mm-hmm. to hide we're supposed be to ashamed. be small yeah. ashamed. be ashamed and you know she always talks about it. it's a revolutionary act to be vain to claim all of it um, yeah. And so I would, I just went with it. And I'm like, you know, what, I'm going to start taking pictures that are like well lit. That are like, yeah. you know, portraits. Yeah. And I art. never it's intended to share them. Yeah, I never intended <laughs> to share them. But one day I was just like, you know what? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. I... You know, I had gotten a lot of trolling um, at a certain point. And one of my pictures ended up on basically a hate site. And yeah, you know, whatever. Um, (laughs) I mean, that was what I was the most afraid of when I started being online. And now it's just kind of like, you know, (laughs) you know, the thing is people, people troll like you mentioned, because they're like, they've had a lot of pain and they're pushing it forward. But I think people also troll because they have never got to a place where they're okay with themselves. Mm. And they hate mm-hmm. us for being at that place. They're putting in all this work to do everything the way the society says that they should do. They, you know, they're working for the six pack. They're, they're eating the food that they don't like because they want to be a certain size. Um, and, you know, damn us for not following the rules Mm -hmm. Um, I mean the truth is we're a lot of us are doing those things anyways and we're still fat Um, but the idea that someone could be okay with themselves you know when they obviously are holding so much self doubt and hatred that you know that they have to lash out at other people you know so after I've gotten all the trolls and all the BS, I was just like, you know what? I think the biggest, like, fuck you I can do is basically, like, here I am. Deal (laughs) Um, with it. Yeah. So it it wasn't as, like, celebratory as much as, like, (laughs) I'm gonna just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, I I was posed that entire day ready to hit delete. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was did, asking did you, people not to share and like repost because I'm like, if I delete, like it's okay if it's a story because that goes away in a day. But if I yeah. delete it, I don't want it saved somewhere else. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was it was a little nerve wracking at first.
0: Did you get a lot of positive feedback? More positive feedback than negative in that situation?
1: Yeah, I did, and it was really validating and and really lovely. And also, I think just really nice to know that, like, I had, I was part of a community that supported each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. And, you know, my, my, th- of course at the time, my, th- even if they're just being nice, they're being nice. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, yeah, I know it was, it was pretty, it was a mostly positive feedback. The yeah, big trolling I, I got, guess. I just, Deleted. I have this weird practice delete where block. I screenshot all of the troll comments
0: yeah just um, to have a record
1: yeah and basically just because like it's a way to desensitize myself to it like if I'm okay. afraid to post something sometimes I'll go and I'll look through and I'll be like I can handle all this Yeah, you know and yeah. then I'm like okay I can do it <laughs> and some days I look at it and I'm like I can't handle any of this today so maybe this is no. for a post for a different day yeah
0: uh, yeah that that's interesting around de- desensitizing your stuff by actually reading it because this is like it's almost like this is the worst that it can get so I can handle this right like this idea of this is exactly what i'm afraid of oh it's happened and i move on i often what i do is depending on where i am it's always like oh i have time today and that's a, this this new kind of uh, trope that we all say some days we don't have time and we ignore it and i'm very lucky in my community as well as I'm sure in your community when somebody posts something nasty, sometimes you don't have to deal with it at all. The people in the comments will just deal with it and I will just move on, right? Like um, that's, I love that. I call them the deehive. If you're out there deehive, I love you. Some days I go, I'll let the deehive get it. And other days I'm like, I've got time. And what I actually do is I know nobody wants to be laughed at, right? Nobody wants to be laughed at. So when they send me these comments, I'll laugh because that's not the reaction they're expecting. They're expecting me to be like angry or whatever. And to be honest, I've gotten to that part where I can desensitize myself by watching, and this is really weird, YouTube uh, mean tweets that celebrities get. So Mm. I go through, you know how um, Jimmy Kimmel does that? I go through Mm. all of them and I feel to myself, I'm in great company because these are famous people who are doing all these incredible things and they're still getting mean tweets and I I always look at everybody like actress you know actors I look at athletes I look at politicians like all of them mm-hmm. and I see that all of these people who are putting themselves out in the world um, are getting these mean tweets and I watch their reaction to it some of them get mad I think it's a joke and other, other people laugh but I'm always happy to see how they react to it. And I kind of take that in. So I just thought that myself and I thought, I think for you, like if you, if you had to deal with the pain, like if you had like, I think um, James Baldwin uh, makes a like a statement around this, if people had to deal with their actual pain, Mm -hmm. right, that is causing them to push this angry energy out there or be, you know, fatphobic or racist or, you know, homophobic or transphobic or you know whatever that thing is. If they dealt with their own pain, like that participating in that kind of behavior is a way of not dealing with your own pain because if they dealt with their own pain, who would they be?
1: It's sad cuz they could be amazing people. <clears throat> you never know, right?
0: You could put <laughs> yeah. your energy somewhere else. I remember when we used to get those telemark, we still get them, but we don't answer our home phone. Um, (laughs) We don't have a home phone anymore. But you get these telemarketers that would like try to, you know, get into your computer. Like you have a virus in your computer. They always call my mother. My mother doesn't have a computer. So (laughs) she plays with them on the phone, right? And I remember one time my my partner saying to the person who was harassing us, trying to get her getting access to her computer, he says, if you can get access to my computer from here, it means you have great skills, right? why can't you just apply those skills for good? Like, is there so much? He was having this whole conversation. He goes, you know, there is real money in the work that you do, legit, like legit the way that you do. You have access, you have skills to be able to do these things. Why don't you go and apply somewhere and get a job helping people with this like you're you're like you could use your powers for good and the guy on the phone just laughed at him and said, You don't know how much money I make doing this I go, I guess I don't but at some time at some point doesn't your soul hurt that you're like just taking advantage of people who are Naive enough to believe you that you know, you're gonna help them, you know, just arbitrarily You're just gonna call them up and help them out like and especially you know older adults who, this is a different time, right, Mm -hmm. that are not maybe as computer savvy or, or, or they're often targeted, but like, why can't you use your powers for good? You hate humanity so much that this gives you so much glee.
1: It makes me so sad. Yeah, especially when I come across someone that like actually has like really funny troll comments, because I'm like, you know, you could turn this around and actually do something really cool with this, but... Instead, you're just to get blocked and deleted by, like, everyone. So, okay. It's (laughs) it's
0: true. And I really love your social media activism. Was that your intention? Like, I love your TikTok. I watch it every single day. I want to know, do you pre-plan that? Is there a TikTok schedule? Or are you just, like, in your... It, you're just doing your thing and you think oh this would make a good tiktok video because you know what i did today i watched your tiktok video on those dried lemons that you did in the oven yeah. and i did those this morning based on your tiktok yeah. and i also added blood oranges to them Ooh,
1: that sounds good i want to yeah, try with c- fruits too oh yeah so
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah and i cut up the rind and i put it in a jar with the sugar and everything i was just like yeah. i was really into it i'm just like how do you Plan this out. Like, did you intend, and were you surprised when your TikTok took a, a bump? Like, you yeah. just you're on there living it. You're doing it.
1: I um, it's so funny because like I'm not, I am the worst social media person. Like in terms no. of like I do not plan <laughs> anything. Okay. I, um, I don't do much of that. Like everyone, like sometimes I'll plan something like for a particular day, and it never ends up the way that I. I Plan on doing it that you planned it like, um, yeah and the, the the most kind of I do is sometimes I'll film my practices so that I can take stills for things and um, you know use bits in in different things I'll plan like if I get questions about certain asana and like how to do variations then I'll plan like a post around that but for the most part like it's just kind of what I wake up feeling like I, did. Um, I do love the reply on tiktok though where you can put like like,
0: the bubble up in there yeah yeah.
1: because then it's like real extreme of consciousness like somebody kind of like oh okay i can reply to this right now and there we go i have a post for the day um yeah i try to i try to post i you know tiktok actually started out as like something that was very supposed to be very like more like personal and less like work related um but it it never works out that way (laughs) Um, because it's just it's becoming so integrated since the pandemic like there's no like separation like I live in my yoga space um it's my living room you know yeah 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 um but I think I mean my my instagrams actually started out as um just like a, a personal photo thing and then once my son was diagnosed with cancer It became a way to reach out to other parents, um, Mm. whose children Mm -hmm. were, were affected because my son had a really rare cancer, um, and we didn't know anyone who, who had, um, who had basically been diagnosed with it or anyone who had survived. So for us, we were Mm -hmm. very scared. We were very alone. Mm -hmm. Um. And that's when I realized like Instagram was more than just like some place that you could share pictures. It was actually like a place where you could build community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over time, it kind of became more centered on like my personal experience and personal growth, partly because um, my anxiety just became so high around mm-hmm. talking about my son's cancer all the time um, that I couldn't mm-hmm. do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so now it's more of a space where. Um, I talk more about myself um, rather than my son. Uh, that and it's like he's older now, and I want to respect his privacy because he's uh, he's yes. only six. But at some point, he's going to be like, Mom, yeah. why did you do this?" Um.
0: That's where I am now. That's where I am now with my kids. Yeah, it does happen. It happens a lot sooner than you might think. It'll start next year when he's seven. When they're like, "Are you filming this?" Yeah. Please don't put it on Instagram. Please don't put this on social media.
1: Sometimes he will run by and he's like, "I want to be in the video," and I'm like, "Well, why don't we wait a little bit? Please, like, you understand what it means to be in the video, yeah? You know, yeah. I'm trying to let let him make the decision for himself, but um, at the same time, it's like uh, it's so hard. It's so hard to, to yeah. navigate that. Oh um, yeah. But I mean, it, so it kind of grew out of like the the activism and the community ca- connection kind of grew out of being part of the Onco community, and then um, it just became more about me. And then the more that I found other people like me, the more I felt things in, you know found things in common and realized that people were actually listening when I screamed into the void, which was a whole new experience for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, and yes, because you talked about feeling really alone, um, you know in yoga spaces, in, in any of those spaces where we are so quick to judge. And I, I'd love to remind our listeners, Something that's, two things that came up for me today prior to our conversation when I was prepping for this. Two things that came up for me today. Think about this. There are entire careers devoted to eradicating fatness. Mm -hmm. There's people who are writing doctorates. There are people who are making billions upon billions of dollars around doing this. There are people who think it's a well-being practice to eradicate fat people and to eradicate fatness. And if you look at the history of our lives, regardless of if there's famine or feast, there is always body diversity. It doesn't matter where you live in the world, there is always body diversity. So why can we not start creating narratives around the fact that body diversity is a natural, normal thing? And I just had this big soapbox moment. I teach a, a yoga class. It's a mix of a bunch of different things. I call it a, a, an intentional movement class now based on our. you're your giving me that language. And the majority of people in my class are uh, women of an interesting age. And I just, that's, yeah, I picked it I up that up for, I don't face. know.
1: <laughs> I love <laughs> <Or> it. <women.
0: laughs> that's how I feel. women Women of an interesting age and... Um, so I just started incorporating weight training into their uh, into their uh, movement practice, and it was something that they had kind of requested. Like every now we'd be in there, you know, is it okay for us to pick up weights? Because I would make them do push-ups, and they don't really want to do that. So they, so you know, they were like, we can do weights. We don't have We don't have to do push-ups. We can do weights. And I said, okay, whatever you want. And so I started incorporating weights into that movement. And I gave them this big soapbox uh, speech yesterday around body diversity around we are not supposed to all look the same and I also had the conversation there's this weird thing in our marketing in our aspirational marketing Mm -hmm. that we're somehow supposed to look like late 30s early 40s for the rest of our lives that we've created this look that we're supposed to attain and everybody is out there you know getting injectables and doing you know uh, i'm guilty not of injectables but your 16 part um (laughs) nighttime skincare korean skincare routine we're all out here just consuming skincare products because we're somehow thinking it's going to stop us from aging and the whole conversation that i had had with them was It is okay to age. Um, I had a very good friend of mine pass away at 36 Mm -hmm. and her and I would have conversations all the time around aging. I would complain about it and she would always say to me, I'm so tired of hearing you complain about it. It's always been my goal to get older. I will never know what it is to get older. I will never know what it is to see my grandchildren. So I would appreciate it if you would shut up about it. And I was just like, okay, again, the world isn't all about me. And Mm -hmm. having a broader perspective of the world, it's a privilege to get older. Mm -hmm. And I told this story in class while they were doing push-ups. I'm. (laughs) I like to distract them when they're doing intentional movement they don't want to do with stories and things. I just talk (laughs) incessantly um, while they're doing stuff, and it distracts them, I hope, and it, you know, and uh, the the amount of people who had these, like, I could see uh aha moments by their reactions and by, you know, what they were saying, and I was thinking to myself, part of our well-being has to let go of the narrative that there's this perfection out there that we are seeking. Part of our well-being narrative has to be encompassing and celebrating, and if you can't celebrating, being respectful or creating neutral uh, thoughts and feelings around our body. So if you can't be, you know, we've got this new stupid narrative, um, you know, Madison Avenue and advertising always hooks on to the next biggest thing that will make the money, and what's out there a lot is body love, and I'm going to be honest with you. Body love is a hard thing to achieve and even uh, the watering down of you know uh, fat acceptance into body positivity because I think it's a slippery slope and I think it's very much watered down. Because I started seeing things like "get the party you love" and all that kind of garbage as new marketing, right? Like marketing's getting very has always been very insidious, but it's getting very tricky in trying to dictate the way we see ourselves. And I want us to get to the point where we push back against that mm-hmm. all the time, and that we get to the point of fat celebration <clears throat> and fat liberation and body neutrality. Because I want to know, do. <laughs> How did you get to the place of being okay with the body that you're in? Because nobody's gonna, you know, no, everybody's always gonna come at you with something.
1: Yeah, um, it was a, it's definitely been a rocky road. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I've been fat pretty much my entire life, and with that came all the messaging. Um, I didn't really get it much directly from my family, but my dad was fat, and I saw the way that he treated his body. Mm. Um, and the fact that you know he was constantly dieting and you know he even did mm. like the all liquid thing, and yeah it was it was kind of i should sorry I should have put a content notice there, but um like it was really difficult to watch um and although I didn't have the language, it was essentially like there's something wrong with the way that we look <clears throat> mm-hmm. um and I mean, I I really internalized that for a long time, and then I kind of turned that into, like, the good fatty trope, the idea of, like, well, look, I'm fat, but I can do all these amazing physical things. Um, You know, it's why I started weight training. It's why, you know, I got really excited about being able to perform, like, flexibility tasks and things because it was a way that I was like, well, it's okay because I can still do this. Um, Right, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of a lot of it came down to like a, just a couple things, like first, when my son got sick and realizing that you know, my son was diagnosed at six months, and wow, um I had been so cruel to my body that it taken really good care of me. Mm-hmm. and here's my my little baby, um, who basically, you know. We had no idea what was going to happen, and it was just, it would kind of hit me like a rock. Like, you know, I've been so mean to my body, and it's done so much for me. Um, And, you know, my kid is is sick, you know, and their body isn't working the way that they need it to work. And what what have I been doing for the past 35 years, (laughs) Um, you know? And so I think that was a big part and kind of starting as he got older to see myself through his eyes <clears mm-hmm. <clears <throat> and to see that all he saw was like mom, a person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it was also a lot of just getting older and being fucking tired of not liking myself. I know. You know it's at some I point I just hit a point where I was like you know what I'm I'm tired of this like I'm tired yeah. of not being able to be myself because I'm not at the right size to be someone what's you know? the right size? <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and that's the thing is like it's all arbitrary you yeah. know um, and, and remembering you know like you mentioned like body diversity is normal monocultures are unhealthy <laughs> we need diversity we see it all through the ecosystem um, and this is this is just where my resting weight was, you know, my entire mm-hmm. life. You know, I've mm-hmm. I've had very small vacations as a straight-sized mm. person, mm-hmm. um, and they are vacations because of the there's there's so much less labor required.
0: Um, oh, yeah.
1: testify, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But then it was just, I think at the end of the day, it came down to like I'm tired. I'm tired of feeling like this. And there's nothing I can buy that will make it better. There's, you know, no matter what, I have to deal with it. And so I just started leaning into it. You know, I started talking about myself as if I was worth something. And lo and behold, I was. Um, you always
0: were, yeah, I always yeah.
1: was, but
0: you always were,
1: you know everything I had always talked about myself, I had always it always came with a caveat of but I'm trying to be better, Ooh. but I'm trying to do this, yeah, um, and by getting rid of that, it made me realize no, like it's now, like this is it, you know, and I think again, like some of my activists comes from the fact that like you know I was in my late mid to late thirties before I got to a point where I was okay with myself, like. Mm. Imagine and I, I, I imagine what my life would have been like if I figured that out at 14 or 20 or 25 You know how many jobs I didn't apply for because I was worried, you know, that they mm. would say certain things or Yeah, so I think a lot of it just came honestly like completely honestly from being tired Being mm. tired of feeling bad There's an
0: adage <laughs> out there around um you will put down the baggage when it becomes too heavy, right? And then you will walk away from it. So you'll carry it as long as it suits. And the minute it becomes too heavy, you will put it down. So two things came up. One thing we already talked about. The second uh, saying that came up for me that really was helpful and it only came up for me today. I heard it today. Uh, When we're creating variations and modifications in yoga practices or any movement practice that you do it is You know for people who are having Less than feelings around that the way I look at variations and modifications now as of today It's is creating a boundary Mm -hmm. and Boundaries are important to living your life when you create a variation or a modification for yourself you create a boundary and boundaries Mm -hmm. are just necessary and i love the piece that you put the unpopular opinion because in the yoga for all training which shannon has (laughs) taken and that i teach we talk about reframing modifications for folks who maybe have been in traditional fitness spaces or movement spaces where um there's this kind of less than associated with um, creating a modification or using a, a wall or a block or a chair for whatever it is you're using. And, and there's often been yoga teachers or fitness professionals who are kind of throwing you a block and go, here you go, loser, if you can't do the real pose, here's the block, like we mentioned earlier in this conversation. We're kind of coming round, around, you know, we're coming back to center. Uh, and then really feeling some kind of way about it. And so we started talking about how do we reframe props? for people who might be traumatized by this language? How do we reframe You know, creating something for yourself? Because a, a modification is a variation. But I thought it was really interesting your take on that. Will you share that with us? Your unpopular opinion around yeah. modification versus yeah, variation. I think it's good.
1: Thank you. Um, I, and I, I totally understand the harm that the word modification has caused for a lot of people <clears throat> because it's been yeah. used in a violent way Yes, um, in a lot of yeah. spaces. And so I totally understand the aversion, and I am totally there. I use, ver- I use the term variation a lot when I'm teaching, uh, specifically to avoid triggering those feelings. But for myself, mm. Um, mm. the term modify has been really empowering. Mm. Um, so the first thing is, like there are lots of variations that we see in books that still don't work in my body right Um, that I have to modify the variation (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. I have to take it even wider or I have to adjust my arms in a different way because it's just what works in my body Mm -hmm. Um, and so I like using the term modify because for me it provides a lot more agency Um, whereas it doesn't have to be something that's predetermined in a book I can learn how to modify things myself
0: Yes.
1: Um, and I think that that's really important. And when I do, um, every so often I teach a kind of fat yoga toolbox. And the goal isn't to show people variations. Uh, we go through some, but it's to explain like how we can use props to create our own modifications to things. Uh, because no matter how many variations a yoga teacher shows you, there will still always be an asana that you cannot fit into the way that that you think you should Mm. Um, and you know you go to a class and there are brand new asana and you know you're like uh, okay well I know I can use a block and I can bring the floor up okay I've got that yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think too for me because my practice is so much centered around sitting with discomfort Mm. um, Mm -hmm. I need to sit with all the things all the shame all the stuff associated with modification for me and the idea that the exact same things that other people have been taught, you know, that it means that you're not doing the real pose and all of that. Like for me, when I stop using the word, it means that it kind of goes out of my head. Um, Okay. And so when I, it's kind of like I mentioned like desensitization in a weird way, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also like kind of facing my own ableism. And the mm-hmm. idea that um, there's discomfort associated with the word, and so I want to become comfortable with all the things that that are bringing up the discomfort. You know, so I want to acknowledge that I don't look like a lot of the textbook versions of of asana, and that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. That not every, I mean, that everyone who practices, will come up against an asana that doesn't work for them the way that is conventionally uh, taught. Supposed to, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so for me, like, it's kind of facing all of those things with the term, sitting with the term, sitting with the discomfort that comes up with it. Um, because... Yeah, I mean, that's that's just what my practice is, you know? Um, and obviously, like, everybody's at different points, so... I avoided using modification for a while and I decided, no, it's time to re, to reintegrate this. It's time to reclaim it because you know, it's, it isn't all of these things, but I need to sit with why someone else perceiving that I need these things is a bad thing. Mm. You know, I, I, it's not a bad thing. Mm. It's not like the word isn't bad, nothing that it implies is bad, like fat.
0: You know, a right. lot of
1: like I, I use fat and larger body interchangeably because there are lots of people that are in a place where fat is a word Still that, not. Yeah. That, that they're okay with. And it's yeah. the same with modification. So for me, it's kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm reclaiming the word in that way. Yeah. Um, but I, I totally understand that not people. everyone feels that way. Um, yeah. In fact, I have a very good friend who vehemently. Uh, disagrees with me and I, I totally get it <laughs> but uh, yeah yeah
0: and that and that's that's the give-and-take of, of friendships we don't have to agree on everything yeah uh, uh, but we do have to agree on the key things right <laughs> but, <laughs> exactly. yeah for sure all right I wanted to t- ask you a question what are
1: three things that you do for your own well-being oh. um, yeah so I think talking about things that are hard is something that i do um for my own mental health and to help me build connections with other people mm-hmm. um definitely my yoga practice because it helps me reintegrate my mind and my body because um, that separation has been severed so many times right um and honestly um my use of cannabis It really helps with my anxiety. I view it as medicine. It's helped me rebuild the and like become much more sensitive, um, and build kind of like preoception and understanding the what's happening inside because it slows me down, it allows me to kind of focus on those things. So it's for that for me it's really important part of of my daily life.
0: I love that. I love that people are being open and honest about Cannabis because it's had such a negative stigma for so long. Um, it's been legal here where we are. Shannon and I are, are in Canada. It's it's legal everywhere in Canada, and it's it's rapidly become legal in more places in the United States and Europe. So I'm finally glad that the, this plant. Um, is available for us without the stigma that comes with the plant. Um, that's a whole nother uh, podcast yeah. around <laughs> around that yeah. whole conversation. Yeah, but I have some rapid fire questions <laughs> for you. Are you up for rapid fire? Sure. Let's <laughs> get to know Shannon. All right. <laughs> Sweet or salty and that can be food or personality.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go with salty today. It depends on salty. The day. It
0: depends on the day. I love that. Mountains or ocean.
1: See, this is why I like Hawaii—you get both. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm say, and, and I'm gonna say ocean today, and ocean. That oh, yeah. could change tomorrow.
0: <laughs> what's your yeah? That, what's your favorite food? Oh man, that's so just so many. I it's know. So if it's um, the um, one food you could only eat for the rest of your life, my kids ask me this constantly. I don't yeah, know why um, they ask me.
1: I think I'm gonna say my dad's pasta sauce.
0: Oh, for the rest of your life, you could do that pasta yeah. sauce. That's amazing. Favorite spa treatment?
1: I'm not good with spas; I get so anxious. Um, Do you? I'm really looking forward to getting a pedicure. There you so go. I'm gonna say that. You're yeah. gonna say pedicure? That's
0: amazing. <laughs> tea or coffee? I'm allergic to coffee, so tea. Oh, tea. That makes that yeah. easy. Yeah. Uh, and if you could have dinner or a snack or anything like that with. Your favorite person in the world, who would it be if you had a chance, living or dead?
1: Um, I'm going to say my dad, because I miss oh, him. Oh,
0: yeah, I saw that on your social media. What book are you, what book are you currently reading?
1: Um, right now, I am, I just bought a new book, now what's the name of it? Um, that's a tough one. Everybody asks us to has the same yeah, reaction. They I'm can't like, remember. Yeah. On the point, on the thing, um, uh, I just bought, I haven't started reading it, so let's go with one that I'm actually reading right now. Um, I'm still working my way through The Body Keeps the Score. I yes. Put it down, I, up and down, up and down. Up and down. Yeah. yeah. It's I intense. really,
0: it is intense. Sometimes you got to read it and go, <sighs> put it down and walk away yeah totally totally yeah. totally that was a rapid fire oh one more thing do you have a favorite saying song or or
1: mantra something you say to yourself um yeah so i it's a mark twain quote um happiness isn't a thing in itself it's just a contrast with something that ain't pleasant
0: that's a brilliant one wow i love that wow Thank you so much for talking to me today. I appreciate you. having you on the podcast. Where can we find you? Not that I'm not going to link this in the show notes, but if you want to connect with Fringes, I can't tell you. When When I saw you show up in uh, teaser training, I was like, because <gasps> I had been following you at that point. And then when you shared the picture of us at yoga in Toronto before the pandemic, I had remembered that we had met there, but you had longer hair at that point. So it was, yeah. I had hair. So when I saw that picture, yeah, I was like, oh, my God, I know you. But I've been fangirling from a while from afar. But, uh, yeah.
1: Where can we find you? Well, first I'm just going to say thank you so much because I squeed when I saw your email. And I was like, oh, my God. Because you are an icon, (laughs) and I love you, and I adore you, and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. So I'm on TikTok, Instagram at Fringish, um, or you can find me at Fringish.com, dot com, um, and then Patreon and YouTube also for everything. Oh, is wonderful!
0: Yeah. Fringish. How'd you come up with that name for yourself?
1: Um, because I always felt like I was kind of on the fringe, and Ish. you know, I felt like yeah, like I'm, I wasn't quite at the fringe because I have a, I have a lot of I mean, I'm a sociologist, right? I have a lot of privilege. I yeah. recognize my privilege, so I'm not like fringe fringe. Uh, But I am (laughs) Fringe-ish. So, yeah. And I I feel like a lot of folks are in that. that In that.
0: And what's at the fringe eventually comes to the center. So the ish part brings you more closer to the
1: center. Yeah, and I think that the people at the fringe, like that's where all of the beauty is. That's where all of the community... Because we have to make our own community. We have to make our own ideas. And... Well, I mean, what society does is it cannibalizes, so it comes after you eventually. (laughs) If you, if you're something new, something cool, it'll come find you and try to take it away. Right. Um, Especially, yeah, we can go into a whole race thing with that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll do the cannabis, the race on another podcast. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes but thank you so much for taking a little dip in the pool of well-being with me i appreciate your time your energy and again if you're not following shannon and you're not following fringes do i learn so much all the time and i love that we are in community together thank you for sharing your time with me thank you so much diane thank you wow thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned so much about accessible yoga, about how we show up in the world as yoga teachers and as yoga students, and how we continue to take up space and speak our truth. Big shout out to Fringes, AKA Shannon, for agreeing to be on the podcast. And I will link in the show notes all the places that you can connect to Shannon, as well as all of the references we made in the podcast. Please, if you have a chance, share this podcast with anybody who's struggling with yoga or struggling with body image or wants to try a yoga practice and just isn't quite sure. So please share this, rate it, and like it on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. And let me know if there's anybody you would like me to interview for the Intentional Wellbeing Podcast. Thank you all for being here. I love you lots. I love sharing the people I love with you. So I will catch you next time on the Intentional Wellbeing Podcast.